0: Sports Saturday. It's complete another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans, for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
1: Cougar Nation, welcome into Cougar Sports Saturday. Glad to have you on board. It's a massive college basketball Saturday, a rivalry college basketball Saturday. BYU will be taking on the Utah Utes right up the road from us here in downtown Salt Lake later tonight. You can hear that game right here on the legacy home of the BYU Cougars KSL news radio this one Mitch it feels like there's a little more juice for this basketball game than we've had for a hoops rivalry in quite some time biggest game i think since 2015
2: when nick emery had his infamous punch on brandon taylor it was a it was a few days before bronco mendenhall left byu oh yeah i bring up bronco because we'll talk about him a little bit later he's got a new coaching spot and also today we'll talk some football as kalani sitake On the hot seat, talk to BYUAD Tom Homo about that. Let's start things off there on the leadoff.
0: The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right Right. now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday.
2: So, Matt, I went down to Las Vegas. How was the weather? It was wonderful. Oh, man. It was outstanding. I didn't want to leave. (laughs) It was kind of surreal, though, to be honest. I, I left town just moments after... So I left my hotel, which was near the UNLV campus, uh, by the airport too. Uh, I left like town basically twenty minutes oh, after you, the tragedy happened. I it, forgot you were down it was kind of surreal. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't have any clue. I'm turned on Sirius XM radio driving back and then i heard the news and i was like whoa that was just it's kind of kind of surreal that all happened cuz there were some closures with traffic anyway And
1: there were nba teams there as well like it was crazy it was a,
2: it was kind of surreal to think that was it was happening once again in vegas but on a much lighter note uh, there was a bunch going on in the college sports world down there in vegas there was big 12 meetings there was the national football foundation uh, that was honoring tom homo and i caught up with tom in a one on one interview and i'll play we'll play that coming up at the bottom of the hour it's really good stuff, insightful. But one of the things I did want to hit on initially out of the gate was the job status of Kalani Satake. Now, he went 5-7. and seven. I think it was a fair question to ask, is the hot seat there for head coach Kalani Satake?
3: I say no. I, I say that my relationship with Kalani as an athletic director to a head coach is one that's strong. We've worked together for a number of years now. We've had some highs and some lows. And I believe in him and the style that he has, the way that he works with the young men. And I believe that uh, together we'll continue to work on finding uh, different ways to success, uh, maybe different styles in in working with um, student-athletes, recruiting staff, all those things. And again, I'll say that my role is to be a resource to him. And the question that you asked about support, I'm very supportive.
2: You buying that, Matt? You think he, Kalani's seed is still cool despite
1: a losing season this year for BYU football? I'm buying it in the short term because I think I speak for a lot of BYU fans when I say there was no scenario that he was going to get canned after one year. Yeah. It, it, that would have set the program back. We've seen it so many times in college football where reactionary moves actually don't solve any problems. They make things worse. So I think we all felt like, hey, this first year, it's all good. Long-term, though, I think the, the runway is shorter now because had he been to a bowl game, it just would have been, hey, that's, we were looking for 6-6, six and six. we're on the right path, no big deal. This next season has critical importance now because if the trend is downward again, then you have to wonder what is next. Is Kalani the guy? So uh, I don't think it's hot today, but I do think it could get very hot if they don't rebound next year.
2: I kind of wonder, too, with what this would have looked like had BYU finished 5-7, and seven, if think it got thumped by Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. How much did those performances really cool things down to where it stays status quo? Because in that losing streak, the three-game skid where you're losing to West Virginia, Texas, uh, you had that earlier loss to TCU. Iowa State. Iowa State. Those were beatdowns, Matt, to where BYU was not competitive, and had that had those last two games against Oklahoma state and Oklahoma looked like that. I kind of wonder had it really been ratcheted up even hotter. And you know, I just felt like it was something that needed to be asked as far as a pressing question right now, because I kind of wonder too, are we asking too much almost of Kalani in a way? Because BYU, how committed are they? I know, I know Tom is committed to the football program. He wants Kalani to succeed. I believe that wholeheartedly. I think Tom, really is is in on Kalani. I do. Uh, but I, I think that at the same time, like, BYU has just so much kind of red tape to go through. Like, who who really pulls the strings? You know, the, without transparency, like, we, we point blame to Kalani. We point blame to, to a lesser degree to Tom. But do those guys have their hands tied? Is it the school president? Does he have his hands tied? I just think there's so many things where, really, how much ability does, does this program have to, like, operate – Like in Oklahoma State, you know Oklahoma, and I say that just because if Mike Gundy needs to make a coaching change, I can imagine he's going to be able to act quickly and not have to go through a long, drawn-out process to figure out, you know, who's going to be the guy. Do they have to go through these interviews? This long, drawn-out deal in college football, time is of the essence. In December, I mean, BYU's got two coaching vacancies right now, haven't filled them. We'll get updates on that a little bit later, coming up in the next segment. But I just, I feel like at the same time, like is BYU giving enough to Kalani from even more resources than we realize. I feel like I kind of come away from this season feeling like BYU is still a ways away from resources, support staff, and I'm almost willing to give a a little bit more leniency to
1: Kalani coming out of this losing season. I don't feel that way. I I certainly felt that way early in Kalani's tenure. I I remember having a conversation with, uh, back then, safeties coach Preston Hadley where he just basically pulled us aside after practice one day and said, man – It's it's an uphill climb because we don't have the resources, we don't have the support staff. I think BYU has made a huge improvement in those categories over the past couple years. Now, is it on par with the Oklahoma State? No, and I hear what you're saying in that regard. I just feel like I can't quite get to the leniency point because there's so many things that Kalani can control, being on time for the Cougar walk, uh, you know, little little details that he's not controlling as well as I think he should, that makes me hesitate to say, well, if he just had four more support staff players, it, it, it would all be fine and good. So I'm, I'm not quite ready to go that far, but it is a fair point, which is in college football today, you can't act like you did five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, because things are moving so fast. NIL transfer portal coaching changes. So, I would like to see BYU better in that regard, but Kalani's got a lot of things that he can control that have to be better if they want to get to a bowl game next year. And I think BYU can get
2: to a bowl game, but I could also see a scenario, Matt, where you don't get the you know top-flight quarterback or you don't get the the quarterback that you need to, to deliver at least six wins. This could be a three-win team next year. And I, I feel like the schedule lightens up a little bit from the standpoint of, you're not going to face probably a 14 playoff caliber team like you did this year with Texas. They played well
1: against Texas for three quarters. <laughs> Oddly though. enough, they
2: did. They were, what was it, 21 to three?
1: It was 21 to six. Uh, I think it was 14 to six at one point. Right. And then you were feeling like, hey, if the offense could do anything. Yes, that's right. And they couldn't. <laughs> so I, I feel like the schedule is a, a little bit easier, but at the same time, you're
2: going to have two games in the non conference on the road. Wyoming not going to be that's going to be
1: played. They got a Uh, new head coach, but still they're they're jacked up for that one.
2: SMU on the road. They're the defending AAC champ. They're going to the ACC in the Power Five. I I just think that it's still going to be a gauntlet, though. And you could really say BYU could be a two, three win team next year. And look, I've we've been watching BYU football a long time. Been watching BYU football for a very long time. I don't recall ever feeling going into any season where I think BYU, I'd say in the preseason, and look, there's a lot of ways to go, where they, you could say, that's probably a three-win team. I've never said that. And, and that's alarming uh, to me where you feel like maybe the standard of BYU has dropped. And in that sense, th- that's where I feel like the seat could be warming up because the standard should be it never— It'll be
1: blazing hot if they're a three-win yeah. team next
2: year. Oh, yeah. It, and the thing is, too, Matt, is that Utah's joining. The league and man if say you suffered a beat down to Utah like you did Iowa State yeah change happens like that's what's crazy now is that when you bring in the rivalry and it's now measured as a conference game it's the last t- like imagine this, se- this offseason how it would feel if you were saying coming out of this year well, at least we were competitive. It was close, double overtime against Utah. It's one thing against Oklahoma State, but if you lost that manner to Utah, people would be, you know, saying off with his head. They'd be wanting change. You know, that game brings a lot more urgency to the deal, and you know that's the challenge in front of Kalani. And you know, Tom Holmes saying the right things as far as support goes, but. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what sort of changes happen with BYU. I just think there's a lot of little things in the program where it's just got to move up to a faster speed in the Power Five. Like even the, you know, you think back that the, the the team meeting rooms they were not ready when fall camp started in August. It was a long drawn out deal bled into the football season. Those are things you got to tighten up. Yeah, you got to act like a Power Five program. Walk the talk. Act like it. you've been wanting this stage for so many years got to act like it. You've got the platform now. You win the Big 12 or you play at a high level in the Big 12, you're going to play in big bowl games. You're going to play in big stages, national TV. Heck, even this year, with a losing record, you were playing in big games. This league gives you a platform to be at a national conversation weekly. Now own it and act and operate like a Power 5 program. That's the challenge, I think, for Kalani and also just the people above him
1: to deliver everything possible for BYU football to be armed with success. I will say this on a positive note. Portal season is off to a good start for BYU, I would yeah. say. You return Tyler Batty. There wasn't this mass exodus yet. It can still happen. Zay Banya's coming back. Zay Banya's coming back. So you're you're getting some guys back. Roster continuity is important. So in that regard, that's a good first step. Long way to go, as you mentioned, because you still got the rest of this yeah. window. You got spring football and then another window. So we have no idea what the roster is going to be, but I did find it encouraging the window opens, okay. You lose Miles Davis. You lose the Daly Brothers. You lose Dom Henry. Guys that didn't do much on the field. You weren't losing Connor Pays and so good start in that regard, but a lot of work to be done if this program wants to get back to where we all expect them to be. Let's get an update on the coaching searches for offensive line and tight end.
2: And also, again, coming up at the bottom of the hour, my one-on-one interview with Tom Homo down in Las Vegas. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's powered by KSL Sports. <laughs>
1: Tis not. the season, Mitch. The hey, I actually watched this this morning. Watched *The Snowman*. That's—I got a three-year-old son, yeah. and we're trying to sneak in some of these old classics. Look,
2: I, I like the Rankin Bass movies, the the
1: Claymation. Yeah, you
2: know, those old 1960s. Like what, uh, Chicken Run. No, 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 no. Like I'm talking Rudolph, not not Chicken Run. <laughs> no, I'm talking <laughs> the Rankin Bass Rudolph. uh... What I, I'm thinking, it will put one foot in front of the other. I don't know what the title of it. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah. Can I, I actually
1: quickly those. say though that Frosty the Snowman is actually a horrible movie. The plot is hor- happy it's, it's, it's birthday. Ho- <laughs> it's actually a pa- it's actually a painful watch. I've I've watched it like ten times in the last week. It's not that pleasant. I think it's just kind of the nostalgia where it's like it. it those movies do bring a little bit of magic to to Christmas. No, n- not in my house. Really? Yeah. I. I mean, granted, my wife hates Frosty the Snowman. Putting it on is like nails on the chalkboard. <laughs> what Christmas movies do you like? We love the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. That's a good one. The OG, not season two of the show. That's been a <laughs> tough watch. Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Love that. I love yeah, the that's Polar a good one. Express. You and Jeff Grimes. I'm a, I am ai believe me and Jeff <laughs> Grimes, baby. If you just believe. Hey, speaking of Jeff Grimes, he coming back to BYU?
2: No, he's not. He's going to Kansas, officially announced as the offensive coordinator for the Jayhawks, and, and that's why you're not seeing him at BYU. You, you Position coach at BYU or being an OC in the Big 12. Yeah, you're going to take the OC job. What do you job. think
1: happened between pulling out of the UTEP head coaching job to... Becoming the OC at Kansas. Because the Kansas OC opening was not there right. when he turned down the UTEP job.
2: UTEP's a dead-end job. Totally. I mean, that is a graveyard job. I think it was – BYU faced him in a bowl game with Jay Keeps, Mark Price. He was once the Washington State coach. He was the one that got had a scandal at Bama yes. and lasted only like two weeks. Yep, yep. But – other than him, there's really been no success. Dana Dimel had a, a brief moment, but I just think Jeff Grimes looked at even though he's an alum, and was like, UTEP job is terrible. And if I'm only going to get one crack at being a head coach at the FBS level, I don't want it to be that job. I, I just think that it's just – and now with how the sport is moving, where we're going into a next era of college football next year, and yes, you could sell the UTEP fans, hey, we might be chasing the 12-team playoff, but really you're not. totally. Uh, so I, I don't – I just think that was just a dead end job. Whereas BYU, they could pay good. Uh, and BYU is a place where he knows that it's not going to hurt his career. Totally. It was just always the weird dynamics of how would it work of
1: he a was A Rod's boss. Right. And now it's.
2: And then it was also this unwritten, unspoken thing of, well, Grimes went down the field against Boise State in the trick game with Bushman and Baylor Romney. It, nothing's different. It's a collaborative effort now. Like, what? <laughs> what? Aaron Roddick's calling the plays and you go, it worked in 2020, but then you had guys like Zach Wilson saying, like, you know, Aaron Roddick was my play caller. And you know, it was just like how would that work? Um you know, but I think there was a real interest there for for Jeff Grimes to come back. He would make a nice salary, and B want to use a place that he can have success at and and also, I think there's a, an element of you can still have a little bit of a family life at BYU where you can you know be with your kids on a Sunday and also at a reasonable hour at night. I and mean, I think there's some appeal to that. But when this opportunity at Kansas popped up after Cottle Nicky, or I, think, I believe I'm saying that right, Andy Cottle Nicky uh, from Kansas, he left the Jayhawks OC job for Penn State, that vacancy became open. And Jeff Grimes goes there, which is a good spot. I mean, Kansas is a rising program in the Big 12. They might be one of the better programs, how committed they are. I mean, they had a booster just a week ago, say, and he put his name on the donation. I'm going to donate $35 million to the Athletic Party. Wait, what? Right. $35 million? Were they? Who's that guy at BYU donating $35 million? So I don't think it was an indictment on BYU. I think it's also an indictment on – the only thing I would say is that the processes at BYU are very slow. Like, you got to act quick. If you can get a guy like a Jeff Grimes legitimately as the O-line coach or tight end coach or whatever it was going to be, run game coordinator, you act quickly because this guy will have options. And it happened, and he gets plucked away. So now you go back to the drawing board. It's been tossed around Georgia Southern's TJ Woods. No. Uh, That's been viewed as a candidate. Maybe like a Charlie Dickey, Oklahoma State, someone that has ties to Kalani and A-Rod from their time at Utah, but he's also in the Big 12 at a program that's, Paying pretty good, so yeah. what would be the incentive to come to BYU? I have nothing against
1: either of those guys. I'm just I'm looking for something else. I don't yeah. want I don't want a Daryl Funk retread. Some vet that's like <laughs> Ryan Pugh. Why is he, Why is that not getting any traction? I don't get it. It could
2: be a situation of the the scandal that he had that caused him to not get the Baylor job. Would the Big Twelve allow it? You kind of wonder in that sort of regard but if, if if one Big Twelve school, if
1: the conference steps in and it, says he's.
2: I mean, I don't know yeah. if they would get to that level where it hit Brett your mark, Seth. I don't know that. I, I I don't know. But you wonder if if it, if he's not going to be good enough for Baylor, does BYU, when they deal with the Big 12 and they're, they're representing the conference, do they, I, I don't know. I I feel like you want to give a man a second chance. Totally. And he's worked at Southern. He's worked at Abilene Christian. He's doing a nice job down there as an OC. Heck, yeah. Ryan is a good O-line coach. And, and I think he'd – because he was only at one year for BYU and he was part of that group that – Piece together Brady Christensen, Tristan Hodge, James Empey. Like yep. he was right hand man with with uh, Jeff Grimes, Jeff Grimes and, and piecing that together. But we got to take a break, though. Uh, uh, we'll get to more of so that. Tom Homo on the other side here on Cougar Sports
0: Saturday. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for 3. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar Fans for Cougar Fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160
2: AM. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday. Wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe to Cougar Sports Saturday. We would appreciate that. Thanks for listening today on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM, 1160 AM, the KSL News Radio app and KSL Sports app. A lot of different ways to consume the show. Caught up recently with. Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, earlier this week down in Las Vegas at the Big 12 meetings and National Football Foundation Hall of Fame ceremony. Tom was honored with the John L. Toner Award, uh, an award given for academic or athletic achievements in football. And, you know, we centered the conversation on his thoughts on BYU football in 2023 and got his initial takeaways on the season that was on the gridiron.
3: Uh, I thought our was expected it to be. Uh, I thought that it would be super competitive. I thought it would be a difficult transition. Uh, I think I said this early on when people asked me, well, what's it going to be like in the Big 12? That I said, uh, you know, we, we'll get punched in the nose. We might have to take a knee. Uh, we'll gather our senses and stand up and uh, carry on and we'll learn and grow. And I think that's kind of a summation of what the season was. We learned a lot about ourselves Uh, BYU football as an independent was quite a bit different from BYU football in the Big 12. I think one of the things that was valuable is we learned about uh, teams, their styles, the environments, the atmosphere, the depth about how each one of the teams plays. We're not familiar with a lot of them and uh, we voted well with some of the teams and not with others. So I think it gives us a, a, a year to Uh, gather together, um, make the necessary changes that we have to to be uh, more competitive and start getting on track towards um, being a championship team in that league.
2: You bring up necessary changes. How involved when a losing season does happen? You're not used to that. It's the only second time in your time as AD that BYU football has experienced this. How involved do you get when those necessary changes need to happen?
3: My role uh, as the athletic director that I've laid out for my coaches is that I'm always going to be there for the good times and the tough times. And this was a year where transitioning through the Big 12, we didn't fare as well as our fans expected, as we expected. The expectations are high. But one of the things that I do is I'm a resource for the head coaches. So I'm always there to talk about how they deal with all kinds of issues. Uh, when we're dealing with a great prosperity or a great adversity, and so I'm in the conversations a lot, but it's not my role to be the guy that's going to make changes with personnel, X's and O's, um, recruiting, those things. But I'm always in the discussions.
2: In those discussions, do you expect Kalani's going to move on from more staff, or is, is it this changes? They're pretty much done, at O-line and tight
3: end. I, I think that that's a Kalani issue. Um, it's hard for me to say. It's not my name, mine to say. I know that what I'm involved in right now is the moves that we've made. And so that's the things that's most important to me at this time.
2: After a, a losing season, you know, how, how much maybe support for, from uh, you and administrators for Kalani Satanki going forward to really get this thing built and, and built up in the Big
3: 12 Conference? Well, there's tremendous support for Kalani and the football team. I think that uh, BY football is a huge part of the brand of BY Athletics and a big part of the brand of the university. So we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that we're on the right track to improving being more competitive, and that comes down to uh, recruiting personnel, staff, all aspects, there's so many aspects of the team that lead to success on and off the field.
2: Does a losing season, though, put his job, maybe the hot seat, does it ratchet up for Kalani in that sense after that tough three of year?
3: You know, I, I say no. I, I say that my relationship with Kalani as the athletic director to a head coach is one that's strong we've worked together for a number of years now we've had some highs and some lows and I believe in him and the style that he has the way that he works with the young men and I believe that uh, together we'll continue to work on finding uh, different ways to success uh, maybe different styles in, in working with um, student athletes recruiting staff all those things and again, I'll say that my role is to be a resource to him. And the question that you asked about support, I'm very supportive.
2: And when you talk about recruiting, a lot of that conversation centered around NIL these days and transfer portal, I think it was Nebraska head coach Matt Rolls said it's going to be about a $1 million to $2 million to get a quarterback, a good one, in the portal. Is BYU willing to get involved in that sort of game to get a top-notch signal didn't pay that kind of a rate.
3: I think there's one coach that said that. I, I can pretty much assure you that not all of the Division I uh, FBS quarterbacks are making $1.5 million, but NIL is a reality in this day and age. So we're in the NIL game. Uh, we have a collective that helps out our football program and some of our other sports So it's just something that's changed. We talk about the transition into the Big 12. Uh, It it happened at a time where you have the transfer portal, you have NIL, you have collectives, you have uh, realignment with conferences. There's a lot of things going on. There's things, changes in the NCAA and the future and roles like that. There's many changes right now, and the key thing is to be able to communicate, keep our strategy, remember that we are BYU and what we represent and how we go about our business. And for that matter, that's what we're involved in right now.
2: Is there like a dollar amount, though, that you think the football program needs compared to your Big 12 peers as far as an NIL to succeed?
3: I I don't think that that's something that I would say, that we have a dollar amount, that there's a price tag on every position, though some people may say that, like Matt. But I feel that As long as we understand the environment and the atmosphere that we're in and we're um, communicating with our student-athletes about their needs and their desires in this day and age, that we'll be all right.
2: i got to ask you, are you happy to be in the same league with Utah again?
3: Sure, I am. I think the rivalry is fantastic. When I came to BYU as a student-athlete in 1978, Uh, Utah was in our league in the old WAC, Western Athletic Conference, and some of those games are the most memorable in my career. I've coached and coached against uh, the University of Utah when I was a graduate assistant at BYU, and those were great matchups. We've played them in the, as me being the athletic director, now as independent and in the Mountain West Conference, and those are great, fantastic games. I think that student athletes and the coaches and the people that are involved in the games have a great deal of respect for each other and the competitive nature of those battles and I think that we can carry on with that and make it even stronger.
2: When the four corner schools became a real possibility for the Big 12 was it just complete support from BYU's in for Utah joining the league or was there kind of concerns that you raised that you felt like there's maybe pushback from BYU with Utah possibly joining?
3: No, I, I think that, like I just mentioned, there's a, an incredible um, relationship between the University of Utah and Brigham Young University that's existed for 100 years. And so there, I don't think at this point in time there would be a reason to be against trying to bring that back. Um, those games back together and that relationship back together we in our conference the Big 12 is stronger because of having BYU and the University of Utah in it and just I'm coming from Big 12 meetings right now and when you are in that room you feel the strength of all the members of that conference and we're both we're two of the members that are two of the stronger members um, together now and I think it's going to be a good relationship. What
2: are the pressing topics for you guys in Big 12 meetings here in Vegas?
3: Everything under the sun. I think a lot of the things have to do with um, the new alignment, the new four teams from the four corners from the Pac-12 coming in and how we will um, best take advantage of um, scheduling and television and relationships with uh, partners, TV partners, there's all kinds of issues and then we have things that are uh, external with uh, various um, things that affect us like NIL and um, collectives and uh, transfer portal, things that are relatively new to the game and we're still working on to find out the best ways to come up with solutions. The additions of the four corners have brought
2: some new challenges for non-conference scheduling. You guys added SMU 2024 and 2027. Does that SMU game this fall have a have a date for 2024 yet? And then 2025 and 2026, you need a Power Five game. What's what do you and Dave Brown got cooking on that front?
3: Well, we we obviously with the SMU game, there's a date it hasn't been announced yet, but we're working on some things. But um, I think that. Because of going into the new conference and um, adding the four teams, we had the University of Utah and University of Arizona on our independent schedule. And so we weren't allowed to keep those as non-conference games. So with the rules that they were set up like in the Big 12, that we had to go out and find a P5 uh, competition, opponent in a one year's period of time, and that was rather dear, uh, difficult to do. There were like three possibilities, and fortunately for us, we had a good um, competitive game against SMU that they, we could go home and home with.
2: Do you have any? How many possibilities for 2025 2026 you need P 5s on those?
3: There, there are possibilities, but it's not too far. In in, in basketball, you can schedule games right around the corner. In some of the other sports, but in football, most of the teams are scheduled out beyond five years. So there's a few little cracks that you can find uh, components to play, but very few. So we feel like we're in a good spot. We're not locked in, and we haven't announced them, but we're in a pretty good spot with them.
2: You're here in Vegas, uh, going to get the toner award uh, for administrative achievements in football. Uh, What does it take to be a good AD here at BYU?
3: Um, Well, it takes a great school that I'm very fortunate to be a part of. Coaches and student athletes on a regular basis that come in and are super competitive, that are goal oriented, that have uh, made athletics and academics a great part of their life. They come in and represent. I get to work with them every day. I, I think I have the best job in the world. And uh, so for me, I just believe that uh, to be a good athletic director at BYU, you just gotta be connected and be able to come to work every day with a great attitude, knowing that you're gonna take on the challenges of the day and that you're gonna make things work with all the deals that you have to make in, the, in a given day. And then you have great relationships and um, personal uh, stories with uh, coaches and players, and that makes for uh, a blissful day.
2: How often do you think you and your wife think about the next phase after BYU? Is that near for for you? Yeah, uh,
3: you know, I think that um, I've been on a year-to-year contract for uh, 19 years, so I don't think that's going to change. And uh, as long as I have the energy and the passion to be able to do the best, the very best I can, I'll keep going strong.
2: Do you want to be part of the, the next hire, like help like kind of consult and maybe, you know, to find that next person? Is there someone in the building that could be the next AD?
3: I'm not concerned about that right now. I'm more concerned with the job I have to do instead of the job that, you know, my successor will do.
2: Last thing for you, Tom, uh, what do you want to see – from this football program you know we hit because before we know it, it'll be spring ball and then summer and then the next it's, it's here again just what do you want to k- kind of see from this program going into 2024 and the lessons learned in the big 12.
3: I think continued development uh, we've learned and grown uh, in a year's time I think that you know, become, not you know having a year where we were under 500 and didn't become bowl eligible. We were really close. We learned a lot about ourselves and things that we can improve on and things that we can change. I think there's some things that we can do that are really good. There's been some great cultural um, advantages that we've had in putting things together. And I think that we had some strengths that we can um, build upon and some weaknesses that we can change and, and get better from.
2: There you go. That's BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo. Appreciate my time with with Tom. We don't get those those opportunities often. So it's good to hear from the AD of the Cougars and and hear his thoughts on a variety of topics. The football season, Utah joining the Big Twelve. So there was a lot to unpack. NIL. Appreciate all that. We have a full recap on KSLsports.com, some digital write-ups up there on the site. So you can go check those out and listen to that interview. Taking a break on the other side, we'll do a conference check-in. Kind of put a bow on the Big 12 football season, the bowl games ahead, maybe some basketball talk as well. We'll preview BYU and Utah coming up a little bit later today. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports.
1: I love this movie, Mitch. Earlier in the week took your family to the Polar Express ride up in Heber it wasn't as magical as the movie I, I will say that but I do love this movie Jeff Grimes loves it too I just I remember that
2: every every year Christmas Eve there's death taxes Jeff Grimes will tweet on Christmas Eve about the Polar Express uh, Jeff Grimes in the conference still Big 12 he's off to Kansas That's a perfect transition for us to now look at our weekly conference check-in
0: conference check-in powered by central bank, everything happening in the big 12 this week. Sponsored by central bank.
2: It's bowl season, Matt. I don't know what that really means anymore because well, teams don't seem to care about bowl games (laughs) as they're going for the portal. Coaches are leaving. No one seems to care about anything. Not, a playoff game, but still, there's this has got to be the worst
1: time of year for coaches. Yeah. Do you think it's just oh, yeah. got to be a living hell?
2: It, it has to be, and I think I think some of them like it though because they can get it all done in in December, and then January you start kicking the tires on 2025 recruits, 2026, 2027. You start getting out that far, but to me, it's like I'd rather spread it out to where you got. I mean, you have your whole offseason and then your postseason in one month. Right It's the dumbest sport on the planet really. Yeah. like college football is so dumb. <laughs> I understand that the transfer portal you have to do right now because the academic calendar, if you want to get enrolled in January it needs to happen
1: now. you can't you know push why that. does it have to happen now? Well, if you want guys, there's to be- this misnomer in college sports that oh, we got to adhere to the academic. That bull crap! That went out the window <laughs> so long ago. The college football playoff championship game is being played in another academic semester. So don't give me this bull crap about oh, we gotta well, we gotta speak in before we get into. No one gives a rip. That's, that's that's unbelievable. Right. No, no one cares about school anymore. Yes, nobody cares about school anymore Dang. in college sports. That is that's actual factual thing you've ever said on this show. We just that came these, here to play ball. We didn't come here to learn no school. That's exactly right. That's that is 100% correct. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. It's fair though.
2: I mean, it's, it's just it's a weird time. Bowl games
1: though are a weird time. Remember the days when it
2: used to be you know you get that ESPN Bowl Week song. It's like it was a simple time. Like I was watching on YouTube like the Washington Husky and Kansas State Holiday Bowl intro from like 1999. I'm like like you go that was just a glorious time in college football. Anyways, these times are not here today. Here's the bowl slate for the Big 12. Independence Bowl, Texas Tech Cal, Gasparilla, UCF, Georgia Tech, Guaranteed rate, Kansas, UNLV, the Mayo Bowl, West Virginia, North Carolina, Texas Bowl, Oklahoma State, Texas AM, and it's got an edible mascot, the best part, Kansas State, NC State, Alamo Bowl, Oklahoma, Arizona, Liberty, Iowa State, Memphis, and then the college
1: football playoff, Texas versus Washington. None of those games interest me because probably the best players won't be playing, <laughs> who knows who's going to be on the field. Uh, Texas-Washington. I'll be tuning into that one, and that's about it. Coming up next, Mark Durant getting a BYU
2: versus Utah preview here on Cougar Sports Saturday.